Jacket and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jacket. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. John Darnell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, Johnny, um, you and I have known each other for... Wow. What do you reckon? 10 years. It must be close to 10 years. 19, I reckon longer, 15 years. Wow. Long time. 12 years. Long time when you were still at uni. Still at uni. So, um, the... The, the name of the podcast is called None of My Business. So the idea is that I get people on and I kind of just ask them about their business, which is none of mine. But um, you being someone that I've known for a long time and... Was your business. Was your business. It was my business. Yeah. Um, but basically I want to kind of just cover off things like life and business and, you know, creativity and bits and pieces. And you're someone who's lived, lived it all and good and bad good and bad that's all right though that's part of the point (laughs) absolutely um but yeah i reckon you're just a good one for talking about all topics because you've generally had some sort of involvement in them yes um true so starting off life light what's the many a life (laughs) living it wouldn't you have to say i think so living it absolutely no on seriously though like I think you're you've lived a lot of it, and you've done a lot of different things mm. um, in life and in business. And you know, like, is there any takeaways from the last? How old are you now? Oh man, forty eight, forty nine. Yeah. yeah. So going on forty nine. So forty nine years. Yeah. You've done a lot. What sort of things do you think about in terms of what life is now? That's a really good question because <laughs> I'm probably at another tipping point in my life where. Business, personal life, everything's changed again, and it, and it goes in phases. Yeah, I think. But the my critical thing, I think, when I was fifteen, is I had a huge fear of wasting time. Mm. So, and that's good and bad. Where I think what that does is that creates uh, a a process of a lot of mistakes because mm. you're running really fast. At the same time, it allows you to absorb and develop in those early years so much because you get some hits, you get some failures, but you just keep going. So where did the wasting time thing come from? Like what was that influence on your life? Or Jeez, what was this that? is all very deep, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah. what, that's why we're here. Honestly, <laughs> it was when I was 14 and I was watching my father die of cancer mm. and I sat with him every night for about – 10 months, and I didn't know him before then. Mm. Like, he was a bit of an arsehole, to be honest. He wasn't a great dad. Yeah. He was a very angry man, Mm. and he held a lot of resentment. And what I experienced there was a man that was full of regrets, full of things that he missed out on, Mm. full of things he wished he'd done, and it was the Biggest learning experience for me going, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I just big at 14. Whoa. And he, ironically, he was 49. Yeah. Wow. When that happened. Mm. And I looked at that and just thought, man, that's, that's the big, if that's a, if that's not a wake up call Mm. to not follow in those footsteps and get Mm. to the, get to 50 and go, I wish I'd done all those things. And actually, just being here right now, Mm. I don't regret any of it. Yeah. My process of what I've done over the last 50 years has been so much fun, yeah. good and bad, that 
Yeah. That to me, that's a success in itself. I guess that's when you get some low points that you actually grab onto that and go, well, there's nothing I need to regret here because it's been a lot of fun and it's mm-hmm. still going strong. Yeah. Well, it's a good reflection to to hold on to in those points where you're like, fuck, you know, should I have done this differently or should mm. I have done that differently? You like, you know, like you. It's hard. It's <clears throat> you're a classic for throwing yourselves into yourself into something. Yeah. You know, whether it be a life experience, a trip, a travel trip, a job, whatever it is. Anything. Um, but it's easy even within like within that that kind of approach can have massive like payoffs, but it can also lead you down down some pretty like tricky paths, you know, because yeah. you're kind of all in whatever you're doing. I think as you're younger, it's just if you look at it as a, an analogy of punting, mm. um, it, it literally when you're younger, you punt big mm. and you punt all in and you, the, the energy and excitement you get from it is huge. And as you get older, you get more calculated, you punt less, you make sure your punts, uh, the odds are really, really good. Yeah. And the thrill is the same. But the thing is, is you realise that the 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 equation changes. Mm. But that can be a trap too. Like as you get older, you start to pull pull the odds into your favour. But that can actually be the compromise of great outcomes, you know, Definitely. because you can kind of, you get safer. Yeah, I don't oh, think I don't think you've done that. I don't think. Yeah, like, I don't think I you've know. done that. You, no. Like you, you're, but you're a bit extraordinary in that sense. Like where you don't, you haven't, you don't necessarily go safer. You just go whatever feels right. But but the thing is, is that so? Why when this is the this is the funny thing that even like talking to older people that you you meet now, yeah, and you 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 find that that person that becomes safer. Has has lost a bit of their energy, mm. and then there's no doubt they go, "Oh, I'm too old for that," or "Oh, like I." And th- I don't, what I don't understand is what you what are you reserving for? Mm. I mean, the reality is now that we're all going to be working into our seventies. Yeah. If we were smart about things, you get into industries or you get into jobs that you really enjoy. Mm. So it's not a tedious task yeah. and you can enjoy it until you're older. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is so what are you reserving? Mm. I mean, the, the, the whole process is, is anytime you fall over, I mean, you get back up again and you keep going and it, that's the fun of it. Yeah. So talking about going into doing things that you'd love, have you got any, like what's next on the business horizon for you? Really interesting. I have really a blank canvas. Oh, sick. So, um, Literally at the moment, uh, consolidating, yep. getting working out what to do. Now there's options there. The one thing I think I'd do differently now than I wouldn't have done earlier mm. is always, but always I'd be overlapping. Mm. Getting out of one business already into the next, yep. already actually heavily invested, emotionally invested, time, energy, yep. and trying to clean up the the room as I'm walking out. Yeah. Is that because it takes a long time to build the momentum in the new thing or is it because you want to – is it about the one you're leaving, like the overlap thing, you know? It does. Well, I think what happens is that you would always get distracted and have uh, something else that was bigger or better or different or even it was if it was a uh, a mutation of what you're in, Mm. you'd already be into whilst you hadn't realised that you were still into something else that you didn't really want to be in anymore and you yeah. needed to clean it up. Mm. So I, I think now for this one, 
you know, like even between now and early next year to mid next year, I'll take off and sit back and have a look and try and do a bit of assessment on different things. Yeah. And do you think it'll take you down a path like, you know, you've done development, you've done, fuck, you're in the bike company, you're property, in, you know, in, yeah. property, importing, importing export, manufacturing. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're a drug dealer. I, drug dealer. I know. It sounds like I'm on the run. <laughs> trying to hide. Are you running a cartel? Yeah. Um, like, is it, do you think that, do you naturally, do you have an instinct, if you don't have something that you know you're working on, do you have an instinct of where you're going to land? This is, I, this is what I'm finding very different at the moment. Mm-hmm. The world is a very different place, as we all know and everyone talks about it. Yeah. But it's fascinating even with all the different mediums, even if you look at industry, um, uh, how people are earning money. Yeah. There's so many different mediums and spreads. Mm. But I, I think that what does is it opens up a lot of opportunities. Mm. But you have to be smarter about how you think about earning a dollar these days because it's not simple mm. and it's not in your face. This yeah. is the thing where most of the money that is even made or the enjoyment is made is not the, the your basic industries where I came from. Yeah. I think, though, that there is – the foundational, like those principles about making money, which will never die, which need to be, you know, need to be applied to today's climate of, you know, the internet for starters. Like yeah. the internet's just a game changer for most industries. All. For all industries, yeah. yeah. So I think that, that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, your, your go-to, you know, like your go-to skills and disciplines will always apply. But it, it, it is actually learning the skill set of with someone that's younger mm. and adapting to their skill set yeah. of what's coming through and getting the best out of that. Because the, the thing is is that as as you would have done 15 years ago, mm. I would have pretty much dictated the direction of what I wanted mm. and how I wanted it. Yeah. Now the reality is is that I'm on the back foot because I'm not the experienced one. Mm. And a lot of these – the, the principles and basics of what I want to do and the fundamentals of if I have a vision of a business, no problem. That, that's fine. Mm. But the actual idiosyncrasies underneath, I've got to listen to other people. Mm. But I think you've – like so a bit of context is you gave me my first opportunity out of uni, which was the design, the design and whatever we were and doing back my then. My God, how well did you do there? Yeah, which was amazing. But what I was going to say there is that you do you like you lived that principle of stepping away and letting someone kind of do have the majority of the work and have I, a go. Only, only if you actually believe they had the ability to do it. Yeah, and so that, that's the that was so the behind difference. the scenes you're going. If this little fucker doesn't perform, well, he's out. You know what? You but you but you did <laughs> like you were so beyond your years when you were actually even looking at the process of design and yeah. you were really going methodically through the steps. And I thought, mm-hmm. well. And, and the irony is, is even the company we were working for, which was a Spanish-based company, had less idea than we did. Mm. And even you were straight out of uni and you're still learning at such a rapid rate. Yeah. And what an opportunity. Yeah, but I, I hear what you're saying, though, like around you've got to bring younger people into the fold to almost – because they're the audience. Like they're going to be – at some tipping point, they become the larger audience of – or the, the larger consumer or, yeah. of who you're actually trying to attract. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, what sort of what sort of like in terms of your skills that you've built over the years? You, you've done one hundred and one different things. Yeah. Um, what 
what are you working on or what do you think that you need to work on in order to go oh, into that next phase? Oh, look, I don't – look, this is this is a tough question because even when I look at – okay, if, if I go down the back I'm, – I'm not in media communications, right? Yep. So I'm in pretty much product or tangible goods. They mm. have been – and may that be in building or building industry or any type of product. Yeah. But – the thing is, and you can say that even like in the two thousands, that the medium changed, and then wholesalers became leapfrogged, and mm. and now it's pretty much um, product to to market, direct consumer, direct consumer, yeah. Um, and even now with that, that's that's getting squeezed, mm. you know. So then you got to think of. What's a different phase that um, beyond direct to consumer, and it's the manufacturing. So then you got to start breaking it down, and then looking at okay. So if you're manufacturing something, what do you actually? What's your product? Maybe it is, uh, I don't know, just a, a building material of such. It may be aluminium, yeah. different types of aluminium, different types of nuts, bolts. And so where are you buying that? How are you making that? How can you make that a little different, which actually makes it difficult for someone to uh, replicate? Mm. So, for instance, when we were doing uh, the last business, we were doing uh, reclaimed timber flooring. Mm. The only reason I got into that was like, well, I looked at timber flooring and it was the basic of this, well, whoever gets the, the, the raw product, wins yeah. they control the market so then that was the whole idea in the process of that was like well if i supply my manufacturers with the raw material i still control ha- have the control of mm. what's going to happen yeah and then at least that way again you can leapfrog another industry which was the manufacturing because you get to control that mm. and then get to take that straight to consumers but yeah. fascinatingly enough when you look at the us at the moment like you get so many different calls on uh, their their economy, their tariffs that they're putting on China. Oh, no, it's massive. Huge. And it's having a big impact on China. Like, you know, we work up obviously a lot up in China and they are, they're feeling it. They're know? feeling it huge. Yeah. I mean, like I, I know five or six major companies that I've dealt with in the past that have really dictated their terms mm. and are now looking for new markets yeah. in, in, within Asia that to try and fill that void that they're really losing. And if you talk to anyone that works in manufacturing back in the US, mm. their economy is doing well and their manufacturing is growing domestically. Mm. Even though a lot of these people have very mixed ideas of, of what they think of Trump, we all do. Like mm. it's, it's a little bit of a circus. Yeah. But they're saying, well, whatever he is, but it's actually working. It's growing their manufacturing. It's economy. growing their manufacturing, their industries again. And yeah. so – I don't know if if he actually gets in for another four years or anyone takes on his principles of what he's already doing and saying don't fix it if it's not broken. Mm. This is be really difficult for the for China. Mm. Yeah, because already people are going. What can we get done in Vietnam without the tariffs? Or can we get in? Yeah, you know, all those other in other, countries. in other countries. And I mean, I don't know. Like looking at even Australia's manufacturing, it's it's a wonder they would have. Like looking at the US and other other opportunities as this phase of this China-US. Yeah, yeah. So this China-US this relationship yeah. is definitely going to change from what it's been for the last 30 years. Mm. Who's doing it well, do you think, in terms of a business that's adapting and 
But like, if you do see any businesses out there, like the cliches of the the big ones, the Teslas and the people that are really evolving and innovating and stuff, but do you do you see any like businesses out there doing well? Not really. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, this, this the same, is the, yeah. and that's why I feel like I'd I'd love to sit back for six months and see what happens because mm. I think everyone's talking very confidently, but I I can't see anyone making money at the moment. Mm. But they're going to have to, yeah, because otherwise it's it, it's it's where economies fail. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it'll be interesting over the next six or twelve months just to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I I mean. My flatmate has, and probably this is controversial, but he, we, he's given me odds on Tesla failing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. He has on the basis that, that they haven't, well, they haven't delivered what yeah. they're going to deliver. All the other manufacturers are coming up to speed. Yeah. And he just don't, he doesn't think there's enough energy that's gone into that company that's going to overcome it. And it's going to be a tipping point shortly, I would say, in the next, what, three, four, five years? Yeah. Well, they did all the heavy lifting. Like that's you know, it's like our mate Julesy Lund. He you know he's creating a a marketplace. Like he, but he's he's creating an industry, which is the yeah. hardest part. Like I always remember him talking about the, the biggest challenge is not building their in, un, individual brand and the and the all of, and the um, the consumer and 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 getting that to market. It's actually that you're trying to establish an industry and that's what Tesla did. You know, like they were the first to go, we're going to get behind electric vehicles because they're the future. Yeah. But at the same time, like I remember talking to a mate of mine who worked for Holden and he's like, Holden have been developing electric vehicles for years. They just haven't told anyone about it. Yeah. They they haven't had done a song and dance about it. Yeah. They they all have, right? Yeah. They've got multi-billion dollar projects or, you know, like parts of their business that are dedicated to, Electric vehicles, and now we're seeing that, like the Porsches yeah. of the world, and and they're doing it well. Yeah, of course and they they're are. great looking cars. Yeah, and and really efficient. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. It's funny when you talk talk about Jules because I looked into his um, tribe. Yeah, right. And this is the, a, a thing, and he's in. He's, I think he, his age. What's Jules in now? What 42? 40. 40, yeah. Right. So he's. I reckon he's the oldest of that generation that is really onto the the um, mm. the, the change yeah. of uh, IT. Look, there's always going to be standouts that are older than that. Yeah, yeah. But then, I because I look at that and and find even like looking at Tribe, which to be honest, I don't grasp. I'd have to sit with Julesy for a, a couple of hours <laughs> to understand it. to understand exactly. And he'd, yeah. no doubt he'd tell me. Yeah, but then you'd sit with him for it. Two hours, two weeks apart, and he'd probably tell you something different. And and <laughs> honestly, this yeah. is this is the problem when I see with that yeah. is like if I was an investor in that, I'd find it hard to grasp. For one, I don't. I, I have to obviously. I would understand it if I put my energy into it yeah. to to understand it. And yeah. I just haven't bothered because probably doesn't interest me so yeah. But the the other thing is is that it changes so fast. Mm. Yeah, it does. Like I, I don't see him as much as I'd like to, but I talk to him when I do, and it does like the one they've been trying to go from you know growing in Australia, moving into the into the UK, they've got Asia for whatever it is, maybe it's just back end production stuff, but and then moving to the US is the game changer. Yeah. But 
It's fast. It moves it, fast. It moves fast. And the thing is with Julesy, he hasn't changed since he was like 20 years old, Twenty yeah. in the last 20 years. No, he's just Ma- a- Massive balls. Yeah. Just keeps going, yeah. big-headed, and at the bull of the gate, and no, really. just keeps going. Hat yeah. off, hats off to him. If yeah. he can, if he pulls this off, it'll be phenomenal. Yeah, totally. Are you um, taking a slightly different angle? Are you, are you vego these days? You know what? I'm literally on the cusp of being vego. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what tipped it for you? Was it a was it was it a movie, the documentary, or was it? Oh, look, this is funny, right? Because we even we got mutual friend PK. Yeah. Right. So yeah. even talking to PK, and he's had this epiphany when he went and did ayahuasca in South America, <laughs> yeah. right? Which is I find funny. Yeah, I you look, should go and do ayahuasca. I, I, yeah, I thought about doing it at Christmas. <laughs> so we told me, but uh, I um, even talking to him, I found it beautiful to watch that journey of his because yeah. he's the, he's one guy that just lives life that I could even watch even his Instagram post yeah. and love it. Yeah, love. Everything he's doing. He's the ultimate producer, though. So he knows exactly Ulti- he what he's doing. Ultimate producer. He it, delivers exactly what he needs to deliver to he's, he's the media like, wise. He's on brand 24 7. 24 yeah. 7. Funny enough, is PK vegetarian? He's vegan. He's vegan. He's vegan. Makes absolute sense. Yeah. Right. But. He um, and I'm gonna catch up with him shortly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that book that he's yeah. he's been preaching like I've, the Bible. I've just started reading. Oh, have you? Yeah. Any good? I've literally got the first page going. Right, <laughs> we're well, one page ahead of me, and I definitely I'm gonna buy that book. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I, and this is I had a debate. The girl I'm dating at the moment, mm. she's Muslim. Oh yeah. Doesn't eat pigs, so then I don't eat pigs. Yeah. You know, which is fine because I love pigs. Yeah. We're doing it for very different reasons. She's yeah. doing it for religious reasons. I'm doing it because I love a little pig. They're awesome, <laughs> yeah. right? And they're super smart animals. They are, yeah. But the the thing is, is my generation is lacking, I, I think, lacking foresight mm. and vision to the reality of how the world is. Mm. We're lacking, we, we're very, we're a really greedy, self-centred and self-absorbed Generation, yeah, and I, I, I just don't. I think we're. I do feel that, and this is. Is it a bit of you only know what you know, though? You know, like. Oh, but God, you mean this day and age? Why on earth? And we, I had this debate with Sarah the other day, yeah. yesterday, yeah, about if we've got, you know, if we look at, I'm looking at PK's um, protest, mm. and if we're looking at 18 year olds, looking at, and their priorities are shifting, right, where. It's not so much about housing. And maybe this is just a reflection of what I'm thinking now because I'm getting older, mm. right? But it's not about housing, fiscal, anything monetary. Mm. They're looking at this planet and they're going, I don't care about that. If I can have enough money to live, I'm pretty happy with life. Mm. Um, but look at what we're doing to this place. Yeah. And look what you guys have been doing to it for the last 30 years. Mm. And it's so gross to see mm. a, a politician sit there and dismiss that like they know better. Oh, yeah. And it's just like Morrison. Yeah. When you sit there and say, well, you know, it's all great and well that we're talking about um, uh, the environment. At the same time, we've got to look at our economy and keep our economy going. I'm going, that is the most disgusting statement yeah. coming out of your mouth. You should be embarrassed. And you're probably will in 20 years' time. You look back at that. And that'll become a uh, – Well, they'll become one and the same thing. Well, it'll become a rap rift for yeah. a song. Yeah. You know, <laughs> on how self-absorbed our our generation was. Yeah, PK said he got some pretty heated 
like people yelling out stuff at that protest and and so uneducated. Go back to your dull bludgers. Go back to school. I, I, isn't that or in, go back to your job? And <laughs> isn't that disgusting? That's yeah. just honestly, that's up there. I, I look at that and I think that's up there with some of the disgusting racist comments that were coming out of people's mouths in the eighties. That was so mm. ignorant. And we look back at that and go, how could you say that? Yeah, you well, know? I mean, it's just another example of how time changes, changes, and history repeats itself. Though, but this is the I, this is the thing that I think for our my generation is stop and listen to someone that's young, and even if that's in business, yeah. that's about the world because yeah, they might not they don't know everything, but yeah. neither do you. And I think the young people are saying what they want, but it's this it's you know the science is telling the young people what the science. But why is our generation? Sitting there ignoring it so much. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Is it a hangover from, you know, being the the religious thing, you know, like they're separate, like that, I don't know, is it still that people are, they hang on to those religious beliefs and, and religious religion oh, tries to man. kind of create a separation religion there? Religion is a funny one, right? Yeah. Because, like, I'm pretty much atheist. Yeah. Atheist and open to anyone's belief. Yeah. Anyone's. Mm. And here I am dating a Muslim girl. Yeah. And at the moment we're we're debating and and going through this whole process that um that you know she can't handle a dog. Yeah. You know. So, but they have empathy. She has incredible empathy for animals. Yeah. And I, I say loosely dating yeah. because we're just hanging out. Yeah. You know. But um <laughs> because we, we we're from completely different worlds. But I'm very open to. To other other religions, but at the same time, if you actually look and discuss with her, like the prophets of the, the of Islam, mm. and then you look at the uh, you know oh, look if we can go on it, who's involved <laughs> in Christianity, uh, Judaism, they're all the same, all oh, one yeah, and the same. So, yeah. and, and I come down to it and go, basically, they're all saying from the actual basis, don't be an arsehole. Yeah, Sapiens is a good book to read. Is it? Have you heard of Sapiens? No. Well, just because it goes into that, you know, where the history of religion and how it was essentially all came out of the same place and the three, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, all came out of the same stories or the same intent. They yes. just skewed it slightly differently. For and, their, and they have. Yeah. Like, but they're all very aware of that. Mm. But then so when we've got these problems with global warming and, you know, and it's been Beaten really hard in these last couple of months. Mm. So I'm, I'm even finding it struggling now. I'm not going to the races this year. Yeah, because I'm sick to death of seeing how much abuse that happens to the to the horses. Oh no, God, that's that ABC report's got to have. I, you would hope so. Hopefully, they don't just gloss over it. But it was disgusting in Saturday's paper. Did you see it? No. Like, they're, they're, okay, you had um, who's the who's the trainer that's been pretty much formally charged? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, he was formally charged with, with um, animal abuse. Yeah, the, like for steroids and stuff. Yeah, for steroids or for that prodding, what they call a jigger. Oh, yeah, like, right. I mean, yeah. like I don't even know names, but, I mean, mm. you had that article at the front of the paper mm. and then you had the racing guide and everyone dressed up going to the races at Caulfield at the back of the paper. Amazing. And all talking about the same horses. Yeah. And you just think, I mean, at what stage do you sit there and go, well, which – you can't say one's right and one's wrong. But I think that's a that's a a magnifying glass on the the way society is how we can re 
purpose the same story or the same environment just to suit our own stories, you know? And that's religion. I was looking, listening to Joe Rogan the other... Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly religion. That's religion. It's it's how do we make the people follow us or let's phrase it or let's... Put, how like, do we make that story blend in and affect and, yeah. and just pick some things out of it? But the basis of it, and, and, and I've, I've said... Uh, and it's funny that, that like even Saturday night I just caught up with... Uh, a load of people in in um, Sarah's my friend's group, yeah, and they're all Muslim, yeah, right, and all have different takes on, on it. But the bottom line is, it's all the same, yeah. You know, I was listening to Joe Rogan, and he had a guy on there. I can't remember his name, but it basically he was a he was a retired Navy SEAL or a, one of those guys one in the military. He's great, Joe Rogan. Oh, unbelievable. And this guy was talking about a number of things, but um, it was being in that environment of war where it was just like literally him and another and the Afghanistans and, you know, he got into this altercation where he had to kill this guy with a rock and he goes into detail about that full on. But the guy came up behind, he'd shot him, he comes up behind him and grabs him around the throat and then he would just went into like survival mode. He's like, I just got to get on top of him because he was way bigger than me and I just... Anyway, and he was sort of talking about this moment of killing him and looking into his eyes and having that sense, that that feeling of, I don't hate this guy. I don't know this guy. He doesn't hate me. He doesn't know me. But we're just both believing in our cause so strongly that we're in this environment and this is what we're doing. This is what it's come to. You know, horrible. Like full on. And, and what was the outcome? Well, I mean, I actually haven't finished the podcast because I just I generally get a half an hour in the car, and it's they're generally yeah. two hours. But um, it's a it's such an amazing insight to hear, you know, because I'm I'm quite against war and the military and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's very very interesting to hear someone who's been on the front line. It's ama- it amazing it. looking at that, and you just think how pointless. Yeah, and how destructive mm. well he he sort of he gives is able to give some insight into the actual purpose behind why they're there and what they're doing and mm. um you know he starts to you've got to respect that he's a he's a very well articulated logical human being who's mm. seen some full-on things in his life yeah and he's got some he he's come out the other side of that with some you know some fundamental learnings about life and did, did he Believe in the cause? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because he said that he was there training the Afghan army. Right. So he's there to train them so that they can take care of themselves against the Taliban or against yeah, right. who are, you know. Yeah. And and he, he said, I was with, there was three of us, three US military and yeah. 50 Afghans. Right. And they were all my mates, you know. Yeah. So he's like that. So they wanted us there. We know, we, we knew we needed to be there because it was whether you call it peacekeeping or whatever, you know, like they're there to make sure that the Taliban don't grow in size and become dominant enough that they can then start to cause some serious damage to other nations and the people and the nation that they're in. And yeah. And then this other interesting point that he, that makes you think is he said, um, we essentially by going to going there to fight, we, we, we take them up, over there rather than it coming to us. Right. You know, this concept about 
rather than if we're not there taking the fight to them, like taking the fight to the Taliban, yeah. they'll bring it to us. They'll find a way to get to us is another way of thinking. I, I've kind of gone into that and thought about that. But it's an interesting idea where they're like, if they're going to they're gonna always want to get at us because they want to get the Americans. Yeah. It, it, look, it, that, I, I, I do find that whole Middle Eastern thing really fascinating. Remember, I, I, like I did, oh, look, I've done all sorts of things. Yeah. I remember being um, in Beirut back in 2008, I think it was. Yeah. It was about two months after Hariri, President Hariri got blown up, blown the shit out of I mean, yeah, right. uh, it was right near the, the French district down in downtown Beirut. Yeah. And they blew a hole. Like, he was basically, he was driving past in the car and they had a a van full of explosives. Shit. And they blew a hole that was like three stories deep. Wow. And just sheared off the the building that was literally across the road, which was 30 metres away, it sheared the whole building off just in half, like, and, and blew it off for like nine stories. Mm-hmm. So, they, like, there's nothing survived around there. But then funny, and then while I was there, I was with um, uh, my my sister-in-law's father, who was a professor of Middle Eastern politics, uh, and he had been a diplomat to Washington, I think, for 25 years, was the Australian diplomat to Australia, and then was back at the Beirut University. Mm. And he drove, um, we went up to Syria, drove up to Syria, and we Jeez. drove down all the way across to um, on the other side, which is Israel and the Palestine, and he was pointing out everything. Mm. But then in 1970, 1972, was it 1982? I can't remember. Um, he did the he did the peace talks between that when they had the civil war in Lebanon, mm. and he said at one stage there was eighteen different factions fighting. <laughs> but then he was giving me an insight about the influence and the the um, the effect of the US mm. in that area and what they've done. And, and you've got to understand that like my, like my sister-in-law's Arab and she says they don't forget. Yeah. They don't forget anything. They still talk about that you're, you're a great, 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 great uncle of 300 years ago. He was killed by him and we'll never forget that. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's just how they are. Well, so, they must be good storytellers. Oh, they love a story. That's how they yeah, that's how they remember. But it yeah. just gets passed down. So they're angry and they, they never forget. But the thing is, is that – the U.S. has had some really controversial yeah. uh, influence in that Middle East that no one's forgetting, yeah. you know? And I think it's always very, you know, you've got to respect the first-person account of someone like that's been on the front and, line. And, and that's, the, that's a fascinating thing. And even with, with all my education, it's actually just been from the horse's mouth yeah. on processes like yeah. that. And he's sitting there showing me and telling yeah. me, I remember when that got bombed because I was there, and I remember when that got bombed, and that's why. And, and the reasoning behind it. Now, mm. I can't, I wouldn't sit there and sit there and like do anything verbatim because it was a long time ago. It was over ten years ago, mm. but I was blown away by how the other take from the other side yeah. is the media. Mm. And I can't help but have a sense of. When there is so much at stake within, like financially, and yeah. you know, for the military to be this thriving, massive part of the U.S. economy, bizarre. Like you can't help but you can't help but go. There's always going to be ulterior motives at play. 
when oh, you talk about but, but I think it's even so obvious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're even pointing out in the media, but then everyone just sits there and doesn't do anything about it. Even now when, you, when you've got the situation with the, with the Kurds, mm. you know, and how much have they put in? You, look, you ever watch the, the Daily Show? No. With Trevor Noah? You oh, should, I know. And he's, yeah. I mean, but the, the, he's like he was, he's just as good as, uh, who was the guy before him? John, uh, who was the original guy? Gosh, I can't, it's ridiculous. I can't remember his name. I watched him for years and years and years. Don't know. Um, <laughs> that Trevor Noah took over. Yeah. But they're so brilliant of just giving another perspective, but then throwing humor at it because then yeah. people listen to humor. Cut through, yeah. Cuts through, listen to humor, and then, but then he gets the message across as well. Mm. But, Again, he, he's done he's done exactly what he needed to do, get the message across. Nothing changes. No. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Even when I know people that have done time in the military and, you know, it's hard to, hard to be empathetic to that, to the whole thing, you know, like to, I don't know, I suppose it's just, it's, a, it's you don't understand when you, when you haven't been in that environment or whatever. But no. no, and I don't. I mm. don't understand. I I don't have that sense of understanding of violence mm. to sit there and think if there's a purpose to it. But, well, they truly believe that they're protecting the nation, you know. That and, and and they may well be. Mm. You know, this is the thing. So I, look, I don't, I don't know. And the thing, I think it's so insulting to really say that I don't believe they're protecting the country. Mm. Not Because these guys are giving their lives totally, yeah. for it. So. There's you one of you the, have to take it as... There's a woman running for the US presidency and I saw a little snippet of one of her things the other day and she was going on about this, you know, there um, there can't be there there can't be war without peace. Sorry, there can't be war and peace, but there can be peace with war, you know, like they're... You, using it as a shield as in like a Mexican yeah, standoff. yeah. But, but, but the US has been doing that with their military for the last 50 years, right? Yeah. Like using their, I mean, that, that whole, with the, the Cold War era, era of the 80s yeah. was literally a Mexican standoff saying, we've got weapons, you've got weapons, don't throw them and we won't. Yeah. And how long did that go on for? 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's embarrassing, really, that our species yeah. is acting like this. Yeah. Over two thousand years on, mm. and we're still doing the same shit. But we're still we've evolved. We, we've I reckon we've evolved so quickly that we're still just catching up with the with our abilities. You know, like we're still just catching up with what we're capable of. You know, isn't it amazing that we, we, we're still so caught in the subspecies of nationalities, religion, yeah. rather than being one species? Yeah. And that's the other thing that guy said. He's like, everyone's the same. Everyone's just fighting their own for their own causes. But you stop to think about it for a minute, and it's like everyone's cause is generally generally the same thing, but they're just doing it for their own people, you know. And religions the same. Mm. Every religion is generally the same thing, and they're doing it for their own people. Yeah. So you're not religious, but do you have any sense of spirituality or you empathy? Know? Empathy, yeah. yeah. Do to others as you want to be done to yourself. That was the only thing I was taught. Yeah. Beyond that, did nothing else. Yeah. I mean, but it is. It's empathy, right? Mm. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> you know, and you all know. It's so funny that we all know. Like we grow up, or if you you've grown up in Australia, you've grown up under a 
Catholic system or Christianity or something, mm-hmm. and everything was basically be a decent human being. Yeah, you know that's what I find fascinating about dealing in China mm. because it's not a religious based country; mm. it's communist. Mm. So their ideals of where we've don't do that, you'll go to hell. Don't do this, you'll go to hell. Yeah. Be a good person, or you'll go to hell. We, we, we were constantly threatened as a kid to keep us on the straight and narrow to actually try and sort out values and morals and ideals of what we thought was right and wrong. Yeah. But China doesn't have that. Mm. There's none of this don't, don't be a bad person or you'll go to hell. Mm. So they don't have that in there. So talk to me about that. How, do that. how does that play out in their day-to-day don't be a dickhead to others or don't be bad to other people. You know, like how do they process that? You know what? After 15 years, I don't know. And I've asked this a thousand times in deep, intimate conversations, trying to break it down bit by bit by bit Mm. to try and work out where their values um, stand. And Mm. look, don't forget, I'm I'm only getting a snippet. It's not like I've done a whole massive survey across China. (laughs) You know, <laughs> made it official. Yeah, made it official, and then gave gave them a real stable questionnaire. Yeah. But the the funny thing is, is that they just want money. Yeah. And that's understandable because a lot of them are poor. But mm. even the rich people want money. Mm. So even if they've got money and they've got copious amounts of money, they want more money. Yeah, because they haven't had it for that long. So they're just like, poor wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So we just got to keep driving to make sure we keep getting more money. But the the fascinating thing is, is that. If you really think about it, Australia hasn't had it that long. No, if you look at been here that long. No, if you if you look at like um, the wealthy, you know, immigrants of the fifties and sixties, you're mm. talking one and two generations. So they haven't had it that long, but mm. they're quite empathetic. Mm. And and funny enough, that the people, especially the Jewish community, they've come out here in hardship and really done a massive success story. Um, how empathetic are those people? Yeah, and 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 they're. And their time and their energy and their money that they put back into communities is huge. Mm-hmm. I, that, I don't see any of that in China. They, they, don't, they don't have – I don't know of any charities yeah. over there that aren't foreign-based in China. Mm-hmm. They're not – there's no local charity. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's – so it's, it's fascinating that they, they don't have this feeling of help someone else. Mm. They just don't. Which again, you know, when well, the you, ones that, what, one no, that you I were must, dealing, I must yeah. clarify that the ones that I know, yeah, I've never found anyone that, especially in some of the the places I've gone, is like up north and then to the west. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of empathy. At the same time, there's still a lot of there's a lot of people are still fearful of speaking their mind. That's what I was going to say. Do you think that it can be that one? language barrier or two that you know when you're in china and they they're on show you like they're always there knowing what it is that you want what do yeah. i need to give to this person you know like they take you to the to the to the, uh, the corky restaurants you know yeah, they yeah, take yeah. it to maccas before they take you to a little restaurant that they eat at or yeah. whatever you know so it's always a bit of a show yeah yeah do you think there's a bit of that that could creep into it or do you, you've probably spent more you know like you employed a couple of guys up in china you've probably got to know yeah. it well, look, even like with Messi, Messi made me laugh. Like he, I'm still dealing with him for like yeah. what's that, five, six, seven years on. Yeah. And 
And when I'm up there, I get a twin room, so Messi just come and stay with me instead of staying in the factory. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and just have great meals every day. Yeah, great. So, and then even talking to him and, and his ideals about, and I know him really, really well, mm. really well, and I adore him. He's an amazing guy. And still to this day, trying to help him out and trying to keep him going and, and get him independent and get him into a business that he wants to do. Yeah. But at the same time, he even he just sits there and's totally confused about empathy, helping other people. Yeah, and he would just go, why? Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be hard when you're scrambling and desperate yourself. Yeah. You know, which not all of them are desperate. No. no you don't want to paint. No, they're not. You don't want to paint a picture like even, that. But- even what we... What we perceive as poor yeah. up there is, look, we see a poor person up there. It's not poor. It's just that they have their own community yeah. and even in the factories. Yeah. I mean, the way that they live and what how, how well their dollar goes is amazing. Yeah. It's just that we don't experience that. So mm-hmm. they, like even like the cigarettes, I can't remember what the brand was. I mean, like they'd all smoke this one brand of cigarettes because they were like 60 cents a pack, yeah. you know. And so, and I, you, you amortize Lucky that across. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, <laughs> I think it was not a Wong Cha. I can't remember even the brand. But the, and then, so you looked at that and you looked how they, they, they would buy food. Mm. And then when they went to the supermarket or they go to the markets and all great things. So it was everything that everyone else was eating, but yeah. just at a different level. It's all relative. It was all relative and they would get it really cheap. And, you know, they might, you know, for, get a week's groceries for like four or five bucks. Yeah. But it was they weren't lacking anything, meats mm. or vegetables or anything else. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything within the culture, like within the that we just can't hit we just can't pick up on because we're not Chinese speaking, but you know, just within the way that the government pushes messages out into the communities and, you yeah. know, if that sort of filters their thinking around things like helping others and empathy and that sort of thing. Because yeah. I'm sure there's stuff that subtleties that go on that you just can't see as a as a tourist or as someone that's going up there that doesn't live there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I reckon that being up there and seeing even the way the animals are treated up there, true. Um, that makes you vegetarian. <laughs> I reckon it's a really good experience because yeah. the thing is, is that we're so blinded here. I think an abattoir is a really pretty place where an animal goes to sleep. Yeah. You know, and it's true. <laughs> you know, like if you, you, you look at like uh, you get meat in a, in a supermarket or a butcher, mm. you never see a pig's head no. with his ears and his face looking in fright. No. You know, all you see is bacon rations. Yeah, totally. Even yeah. the way that they string up the or hang up, hook up the ducks for, you know. Yeah. In the windows of yeah. most bloody Chinese restaurants. Yeah, and even that, people sit there and think that it's a bit gaudy these days. Yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, even you go to some of the markets, and oh, man, it, it puts you off. So every time I've been up in China, let's get to the stage where I just eat vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, it's safer. So it's safer, but it's just like I, th- I think it, every time you swallow a piece of meat, you think, God, what's this? <laughs> but I guess the same thing's happening here. <laughs> I tell a story a lot, actually, of when we were going up to China and we were eating at the factory at um, Strategic. Yep. And we were we said to them one day, I don't know if you were there this time or not, but I definitely said to them, um, let's just, I'll just eat whatever you guys are. Just bring, you know, just bring me the same little tub, white, white tub of food. Yeah. And they're like, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they brought this meal. 
and it looked like tofu and I was eating tofu and rice. Yeah. And then I was like, what gives it this sort of red colour, this dark sort of brown colour? And they're like, this tofu, what's tofu? And I was like, this this tofu. And they're like, no, 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 that's duck's blood. <laughs> just duck's blood. It was just boiled duck's blood. <laughs> and, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's tough because you're going to think, where is that any different from eating duck? Yeah. Yeah. It's still duck's blood going yeah. through it, yeah. and then but we 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 do have this perception of what is edible and what's not edible. Yeah. But also that's the it taps into the common criticism of people in today's society, which is no one could ever think about killing the animal that they eat every day. No, but yeah. do you think this is going to change? Because at the moment, I see so many faults in the abattoir system and the meats that we're eating. Mm. And I do see like, for instance, steaks pricing going up and up and up and it, and it gets, you know, you can go into a restaurant now and you look and it's got a, a, a steak and it's 50 bucks. Yeah, you know, easy. Like 50 yeah. for a good steak. And then what's that going to end up at? $150, $200 for a steak? Like mm. it will be like a, because it'll be organic. Yeah. It'll be, you know, hormone-free and it's generational hormone-free of an animal. Mm. And then so what happens is that the it, this abattoir and mass um, meat supply mm. isn't sustainable. No, it's not. And I think that's where it's going is it just everyone needs to just take it easy. Like I don't think that everyone will become vegan and vegetarian or – No. But I think that everyone – that we, you know, there's a serious issue with the amount of. Have you seen how the the, the, the pork market in China? No. Well, they had that swine flu again yeah. last couple of weeks. Oh yeah. Oh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Well, weeks or a month? Yeah, month right. ago. Yeah. They had swine. Remember the last time that I got that uh, when they had what was the bird flu? Remember the bird flu? Yes. And I had to. I I was in charge of organising the global conference in Hong Kong. Everyone was flying into. That's right. And then I booked, I, I looked online, there was this one hotel that was so cheap. I was like, man, it's a five-star hotel. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, the CEO's going to love this. And I've just saved like, <laughs> like, saved us like 20 grand in accommodation. And then we got there. Ground zero. Yeah. And they got there, the whole place was covered in plastic, remember? <laughs> yeah. It's just been fumigated because they've been they've been uh, shut down for two weeks because of bird flu. Johnny, are they painting? No, this was nah, ground zero. Uh, bird yeah. flu, ground oh, zero. Everything I did for those guys, <laughs> they always looked at me like, what's he got it done now? How have got, you found yourself? Saved a dollar. Yeah. Saved us a dollar, guys. <laughs> um, mate, so what sort of what sort of have you had? Do you get much self doubt when you're doing things around new things? Oh, do you know what? Over these last three years, I've had this incident that I've been, you know, working co- through. Yeah, working through. Um, <laughs> What's the category of that incident? Oh, trust. Yeah. Blind trust with someone that wasn't trustworthy. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's fascinating, though, because even you're coming through this and you, you get to the end of, of this where you've had, you know, what you thought was you know, either what, personal, but slash business. Situation and funny enough, I finally came to the to the end of that saga after three years, and I thought I'd find relief. And then I I found that my first initial reaction was just just anger. Yeah, anger of thing. I've been you know someone subjected someone that's so 
disgustingly selfish, mm. has tried to rip off for so long and trying to get something that they weren't uh, entitled to. Weren't entitled to. Mm. So my, my first reaction is just anger, anger at them, anger at the process, anger that someone's manipulated the system just to try and for their own best interest mm. to get something they had absolutely no right to. Mm. So anyway, after that, and then you sit well, there I and think you, that's. I think that's also when you put, you literally pulled your head up after three years and went. Well, this is what I've been in. This is what I've been in because because you, yeah. you're a classic. Like when you get determined, like you're as you're as you, when you're down, fighting, you're fighting. Don't no, think about you it personally. Like you get yeah. so into it. Yeah, like you'll find your way out the end of. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, there's no choice. You can either sit there and lay over and then regret for the last for, forever more that you didn't give it your best shot or yeah. give it your best shot. Yeah, you know, and then not regret. So, mm. but the thing is, after that three years, I thought. Angry, and I went, Wow, I'm actually angry because I've never been angry about shit like that. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. But I was angry at the time it wasted. Mm. It wasted three years of my life yeah. whilst I'm having to fight someone for a claim that they had nothing on. Yeah. And you get to the end of it and you get over it. And I was angry about the time it wasted, mm. angry at the process. And then you start to realize there's no point. Yeah. Because time. Well, then you hang on to the anger and you waste another three years while you be angry Exactly, exactly. Because the one thing is is that the the clock's still going. You can't sit there and say, I I didn't like that. Can we do it again? It's going, well, the time's time. It's gone. Yeah. Move on. Move on. Yeah. Don't think about it. Don't give them any more time. No. And and at the same time, that's when I think you bring about your question of self-doubt or Mm. at the low point. I think they're healthy. Yeah. Because even in your late 40s, and going in the 50s, very rarely are you in a position where you have to find humility and start again or look at something and building something up from scratch because there's not a lot of people at that age are willing to risk yeah. what they've got to start again. I think that goes back to the safety thing about yeah. people's decision making. Yeah. It's we are geared towards doing like building this crescendo to our career or our life which yeah. finishes in a place of I've achieved I've succeeded I've I'm going to now reap the rewards of that yeah but the fact of the matter is that that sometimes doesn't fucking happen or a lot of the time doesn't always work out like that no but we are as humans are probably dialed into that being the what success looks like mm-hmm so if you're open to the fact that when you get to your late 50s and you've got a blank canvas in front of you and that's okay and you're and, just on to the next journey. like And that's business and personal because at yeah. the same time the best cleansing phase for me was this three years Yeah, where I've got to the end of it and it's business-wise, you go, okay, I'm going to actually start something again from scratch. Mm. But I have to show humility within myself because I don't know everything. I may yeah. go into something I don't know. I have to ask a lot of questions. I know I've got a lot of skills. I'm no fool, and but at the same time, humility is going to stop me making big mistakes just yeah. purely out of the embarrassment of not knowing. Where mm. a lot of times, what happens is you build a business, and you see this a lot in management as well, mm. where they have this they they start to build up this fear of they should know, yeah, and then so therefore what they do is they make bad decisions purely on not having the humility to stop and think, well, maybe I don't know everything, mm-hmm. where they feel like they're at the age that they should. Mm. And that's not the case. And the same thing happens with relationships. Yeah. 
where you, you get to the stage where you think, well, you know, I'm towards 50. I know what I want. And you go, mm-hmm. well, no, that's not true. Yeah, because you're different now than you were 20 years ago. Correct. And the person yeah. you're dating or the person you're with at the moment, their circumstances change, their situation changes, and you have to be open-minded to go, well, maybe I don't know or maybe someone's going to teach me something. Mm. Yeah, totally. So in wrapping up, yeah, what uh, – what are you trying to tick off the list in the next 12, 24 months? Do you have anything like, I mean, I'm not list focused, but do you have anything that jumps out at you that you try, you want to achieve or? Um, happiness. Great. Honestly. Yeah. That brutally raw and basic. Yeah. Just be happy. And that's what, starting a business, make it fun. Yeah. Make it exciting. Yeah. Be in a situation personally that it's fun and exciting mm-hmm. and just be present because, man, you're not going to get this back. No. And it's a cliche, but you literally are not. But a cliche that constantly people don't take notice of. You know, oh. like, constant, like the happiness thing and doing it for the right reasons that's yeah. not, you know, we can all be driven by money or success or status or whatever, but ultimately coming, bringing it back to something that actually just makes you happy day to day. Um, but it's pretty simple. If you really just yeah. drop it back to what makes you happy. I was talking to Claire last night about some people that we know and, you know, the fact that it's so easy to get caught in the mouse wheel of, you know, just trying to achieve X by a certain t- age yeah. and have enough money to, whether it be, live off or retire or whatever it is, you know, and like these kind of things that drive our decision-making in the time, but ultimately they're not happy and they lead, and it leads you to a point where you're like, fuck, you know, like why? This but to is- be honest, to, to be worrying about that, like we all have done, yeah, actually strips you of happiness. Absolutely. Because yeah. it just throws fear in that maybe I'm falling behind and you go behind from what? Yeah, exactly. Because because the reality is is that yeah. the, what's the, the comparison? Who are you comparing yourself? Well, to? the happiness yeah. is happiness is the one thing that is actually that's success. Yeah. And I know that people say oh, I'm happy with what I've got. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't that's not ringing true either, right? So you you can sit there and still be driven, earn money, have a great lifestyle, um, you know, help other people around you, mm. but then have a balance, uh, and that can be happiness. It doesn't have to be one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thanks for your time. I don't know what I gave you, but I hope it helps. Happiness. Yeah, great. (laughs) Cheers, mate.